Welcome to PT Snacks Podcast. This is Casey, your host. And if you're tuning in for the very first time, first of all, welcome. But also what you need to know about this podcast is that it's meant for physical therapists and physical therapist students who are looking to grow your fundamentals, but in bite-sized segments of time. And today we're going to take a little bit of a break from the shoulder and talk about something that I think is very important for us to know. Um, And that's how to screen out more sinister things. More specifically today, abdominal aortic aneurysms. And this is something where you hope never to see this in your patients. But I would so much rather you, if you do see this, know what exactly to do so that you could potentially help save somebody's life rather than have a panic mode and have to think all the way back to PT school because chances are this is probably not as much in the forefront of your brain as maybe shoulder anatomy or um, hip range of motion or something like that. So this is still important, right? Because a ruptured triple A can cause four to five percent of sudden deaths in the U.S., according to an article by Kiesler and Carter, and up to 50 percent of those don't even reach the hospital. This is something that, if it is caught, can be deadly, depending on where the rupture occurs. And not that we're going to operate on necessarily, but a lot of times aneurysms may not be symptomatic or they might present with shoulder or back pain, depending on where that aneurysm is. And so something to keep in mind if you are seeing patients with those symptoms, which a lot of the U.S. is, um, just to be aware of if you're not able to reproduce that clinically, to have some other things on your radar according to the risk factors that we go over. So First of all, what is an aneurysm? So basically, it's where the wall of an artery or a vein, or it can even happen in the heart, has an abnormal dilation, which is usually caused if the walls of those vessels are weakened by trauma or congenital vascular disease or infection or atherosclerosis. They might they might even have a connective tissue disorder that has an impact on this. And you can have this in other places other than like the triple A, the abdominal area. You can have thoracic aneurysms. You can have peripheral arterial aneurysms. The thoracic are going to happen more so in like the ascending transverse or the descending portion of the aorta. Um, and then the peripheral are most common in the popliteal space and lower extremities, but can also happen in the femoral arteries. But for the abdominal, that's where most of our focus is going to be today. So if you are if you have a moment to just kind of pull up the cardiovascular system, it might help as a map just really briefly. You can pause here. Abdominal aneurysms often happen on the aorta between the renal arteries and the iliac branches. Aneurysms are most common in the aorta and the cerebral vascular system, and they happen like four times more than in the thoracic. Most commonly just below the kidney, like right where the renal arteries run off, And you might be thinking about like, okay, belly button level. That's because 95% of triple A's happen just below the the renal arteries, like just below the kidneys, which can cause referred pain into the thoracolumbar junction. And these can be dissecting, which is just a tear between two layers of the intima of the lumen, um, where the blood's flowing in between those two layers instead of through the lumen. Not really something that we want, right? And if it expands and ruptures, this can happen into the peritoneal cavity, the mesentery, behind the peritoneum, into the inferior vena cava, 
or into the duodenum or the rectum. On, we don't really want it to rupture anywhere, but um, certain areas are more likely to be deadly than others. So how do we even catch this? So the classic person, if you're thinking about, okay, who might have a triple A is going to be male gender, specifically more like older age, around 65 or older. They're, they might even have a congenital heart disease already or coronary artery disease. They probably have a history of smoking or they might presently smoke. And they also might have a family history of this too. One other thing too I thought was interesting, um, if they have a history of an anterior spinal procedure, like a fusion or an artificial disc replacement, there might have been some damage that occurred if the vessels moved to the side or if there was like a possible trauma to that area. So in the clinic, these are some things that we're hoping to screen and never catch. Um, the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force recommends like a one-time ultrasonic graphic screening for AAA in men like 65 to 75 who smoke or did in the past, which an ultrasound in this scenario, if they're trained, it has a sensitivity of 95% and a specificity of 100%, which is pretty awesome. Um, unfortunately, they don't have anything on women. I guess women are are not advocated for in this scenario, but... Um, that's just because of the higher prevalence and this, the risk factors for this population. Now, the most common symptom that a patient might have, if they're even symptomatic in the first place, which is not always the case, is they might feel like a pulsating mass in their abdomen with or without pain, and then it might be followed by abdominal pain and back pain. Um, if it's ruptured, it's going to be a pretty rapid onset of severe neck or back pain. But if it's not, that patient might just kind of feel like they got a heartbeat in their stomach when they're laying down on their back. Now, if it's ruptured, that's a medical emergency and there's actually a pretty high mortality rate. So let's just hope it doesn't rupture in the first place, but they may will probably have sudden severe chest pain with like a tearing sensation. They might have some blood pressure changes or probably will. So if their systolic blood pressure drops less than 100 milligrams of mercury, that's not good. Or if there's even more than 100 millimeters mercury difference in the diastolic blood pressure between the arms, their pulse rate might go more than 100 beats a minute. They might have some lightheadedness and nausea, cold and pulseless legs, um, a pulsating abdominal mass, basically things that you just don't really hope for in your patients that you can't really change or relieve by changing their position. Now, if they do get screened for this, the diameter of the aorta will tell on whether they want to monitor it if they're not worried about it or if they do see that there is a triple A there. So if it's less than three centimeters, they're not even going to have it under surveillance. But if that patient has like a three to 3.9 ultrasonographic diameter, they might come in every two to three years. If it's four to 5.4 centimeters, might be 6 to 12 months, and then more than 5.4, we're talking about surgery here. Um, and they might even talk about surgery before that if it's greater than 5 centimeters. Granted, this is from that same study that I mentioned before. That could vary because there's not always, um, not everyone agrees on when to do what, but the basic picture is the bigger the diameter, the more we're worried about it. Other things that they might monitor too are if it's expanding more than a one centimeter a year, that's an issue. Or if it becomes tender or symptomatic, that's another issue too. So if it's in that surveillance stage, 
they might just ask patients to, well, for one, like let's do some lifestyle changes. Let's stop smoking. Um, let's create some healthier habits to help control for a healthy cardiovascular system. Um, for medications, they may even try like beta blockers. There's been some studies that have positive results with that, but it's not really significant. And then in terms of surgery, what they'll do is basically try and correct the dilation that's happening. So one approach is the endovascular approach and the other is an open repair. There's pros and cons to both. I'm not a surgeon, so I'm not going to dive into that necessarily. For the purpose of this is specifically if you're in an orthopedic clinic and a patient's coming in or you come across someone maybe and they have these symptoms, you know, be quick to handle it as a medical emergency so that you are doing right by this patient. So that's it for today, guys. Uh, if you have any questions, you know where to find me at ptsnackspodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram, pt underscore snacks. Um, there's some links below if you want $175 off an annual subscription for like thousands of CEU credits and webinars and even a patient HEP program. Check that out. Or if you want to support the show, what you can follow, you can share with friends, you can write a review, you can support on Buy Me a Coffee. All of it is super helpful. Um, but most of all, I just love hearing from you guys. So if there's anything I can help you with, let me know. And until next time.